Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Woo, we got a big show today. Coming up on today's show, we've got all-star trivia with Blake Murphy, and we're going to talk fallout from Lloyd Pierce losing his job down in Atlanta. I'm Dave DeFour, joined by Andrew Schlecht, Trevon Edwards, and Blake Murphy. Blake, uh, welcome to the Ding, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really excited for this one. Yeah, um, so listen, we all know the business. Uh, it never is easy to talk about this, but Lloyd Pierce is out in Atlanta. Obviously, they haven't had the start to the season, Trey, that they expected after they made the big splash in the very abbreviated offseason. Uh, do you feel as if he's being a little bit unfairly uh, criticized for, for the struggles that they've had? I mean, Chris Dunn hasn't played once. Bogdan Bogdanovich has been out for most of the year. DeAndre Hunter, you know, it looks like found money for them, and then he gets hurt. It seems like this is kind of what they should be expecting, given the hurdles. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what he's supposed to do with that roster. And and yes, it was a win now situation coming from up top pressure from the GM pressure from, you know, Trey Young complaining. Um, but with injuries and only two years to turn it around, I really don't want to hear it. I think it was an unfair situation. Um, but I, it seems that, you know, I, I don't like to make it a race thing, but I mean, he never, he never really got a chance in that situation just because of even how they even tried to compile this team together. You got random vets. You got some young guys, which I felt like they drafted really well and didn't give time to, like, kind of grow in their roles. And, you know, and then guys getting hurt. You know, you got Gallo. And, I mean, you can go down the line from, from, from multiple facets of this team. And it just never really worked in their favor. And, you know, most people can say, oh, well, the interim is going to be black. It's Nate McMillan. And it's like, it's not about that. It's just, you know, if this is another coach in a different organization, I think they get a little bit more uh, breathing room. Uh, you know, that uh, that's a good point. And, and first time coaches are often given a shorter leash, I think, than than they ought to be. Uh, Brett Brown, for instance, he comes in for the for the uh, for the process. And they gave him a few extra years after. I think that's the right way to do it. You bring in a new coach, a first-time coach, into a situation like they brought him into in Atlanta, you should probably give him a little bit of runway on the other side as well. Let's see what this is going to look like. You know, you gave him two months, and, and obviously this roster has not been available to him. Like, this is an unprecedented season. They're dealing with injuries. It, it just... It feels a little bit like they should have probably done it before the season, Blake. I mean, like they waited till now for for what? I mean, it, is it the optics? I, I don't even know if it's the optics because I don't think it looks any better in the offseason or certainly doesn't look any better now. Um, it just to me, it screams that they can't choose a lane, right? And, and I don't mean that in terms of who their coach is going to be, but you draft all these young guys, you stockpile assets, you bring in a coach like Lloyd Pierce, who you talk him up as a culture builder, right? You're going to change things and build from the foundation up. 
with Lloyd Pierce kind of setting that tone and um, that message organizationally. And then after two years, you go sign Rondo, Gallo, Solo, when all of your core is between age 20 and 26. So, um, you know, I think there's a misalignment of of values here, or at least a misalignment of timeline where they said they wanted to do one thing and then within two years changed their mind. And that's, you know, that's always kind of the, the death knell of a franchise when you, you ha- don't have the patience to, to see your strategy through. You've got all these young guys and now, you know, now they're, they're kind of in turmoil here. So, um, you know, I don't, I'm with you guys. I don't know what more he could have done. And I think this screams that, not everyone in the organization is pulling in the same direction at once. Andrew, look, to me, the writing was on the wall when they hired Nate McMillan, right? You don't bring in a guy with that kind of experience unless you you think you might be making a change. It's just not very often that it happens. Uh, We're obviously watching Sacramento closely because I think that's probably the next domino that falls. Mm -hmm. Uh, I read John Hollinger's piece this morning on the changeover in Atlanta. And he he actually mentioned something that I hadn't thought about. So, you know, we're getting to the point in the season where teams probably aren't going to make a change post-All-Star break. And I think if that change in, in Sacramento is coming, it's, rather, it's probably going to come sooner rather than later. But Nate McMillan is not really a player's coach. And, and given the issues that it seems as, as if they've, they've had there with Trey Young and obviously the Trey Young-John Collins relationship – is Nate McMillan really going to be an upgrade on Lloyd Pierce for that locker room? Yeah, I'm not sure what they expect from Nate McMillan. And I think you're right. They they brought him in. They had to have told him, like, hey, Nate, come and take this job because it's going to be a different job soon. And I think everybody knew that. Like, that was one of the worst kept secrets in the league. And I don't know that Nate McMillan's the guy. I don't love retread coaches that have had so many chances in the NBA to prove themselves. I'd prefer them go get another young guy or somebody that's unproven, especially with the young roster. And this is all management. Like this is all management's fault. They put the expectations on themselves by going and signing all these guys and making the trades that they did. This is their issue to fix. It's not really even a coach's issue to fix. They put together a roster that wasn't ready to win yet, and they placed the expectations on themselves. And now they're trying to throw the blame around. And, you know, Nate McMillan may not end up keeping that job. He's an interim coach. Who knows if he's going to be the head coach long term? If they don't have success, it's an easy excuse to say, you know what? Sorry, this didn't work out, Nate. We're going to go find somebody else. And then you have three coaches in the, you know, the course of six months. And that's, I, I'm, I agree with Blake. It just shows there's a lack of direction. So, well, Trey, Andrew, I guess. The, I was going to say, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, well, Andrew, at least they didn't hire anybody right in the middle of it after the, after <laughs> letting him go. Well, <laughs> right? and that's the thing, Trey, right? Like, so if you're reading the tea leaves, when they bring in Nate McMillan, you say, well, if you if you think you might make a midseason change, I guess there's there's worse ways to do it than to already have the guy on the bench. That's number one. But if you think you might make in a, a, a midseason change, then you might as well make the change. It seems to me that their mind was probably already made up coming into this year that he was going to be on a short leash, and it, it just feels like they've now wasted a season to a certain degree because. Teams that change coaches midseason don't normally go on to great success. I mean, unless you've got LeBron James sitting in Atlanta, which I don't, I don't think he's going to get traded. So, you know, I, Trey, I just don't know what they expected 
And now where do they go from here? Because this is going to be a tough situation, I think, to find a a big-time coach for because it is clearly an organization that is going to bend to the will of Trey Young. Like, you are going to come into a situation where you're Trey Young's coach. Yeah, you're going to coach the Atlanta Hawks, but you're Trey Young's coach, and that can be difficult, Trey. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think somebody's actually going to be kind of salvating at the mouth because they feel like, obviously, I get this type of player and I'll be able to fix it. Not knowing it's the job. It might be the job from hell or it might be the, 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 the greatest job. You never know, you know, in that situation. But I don't think up top really supports you as a, as a head coach. But I think any rebuilding job is really kind of a job you really don't want. You know what I mean? I think that... Um, the Thunder have done a great job, you know what I mean? But they did ground up, you know what I'm saying? They had a, you know, right. they had a guy coming from, you know, form system and you pretty much just promote. And I think that's the kind of the, a good way to reward guys. But, you know, there's tons of talented coaches that either are going to be in a situation where they never get a shot. And then there's ones that have kind of been waiting. So maybe David Vanderpool gets a sh- look. Maybe. I mean, he's but had I experience with – I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not I don't I'm know just throwing that, his name out there. Yeah, I don't know that Atlanta is going to go with a first-time coach in the, in this situation. It's, it's a bit of a shame because I think we need new blood in the league. I mean, Blake, Nick Nurse has, has innovated the league and brought back a lot of high school junk defense in the way that Brad Stevens brought back high school junk inbound plays, right? Like, and, and I think that that sort of, you know, adding that new blood into the league and Lloyd Pierce was new blood and we got to see some different stuff, you know, new perspectives and it helps the game grow. I mean, Steve Kerr, look at what he did as a first time coach changing the league. And and I think that that's important for the league to get new blood in there. And it's unfortunate that we can't get a Sacramento and Atlanta assistant coach trade because Alvin Gentry would coach the hell out of this Atlanta Hawks team. They would not play a lick of defense, but they don't do much of that anyway. But that offense would be incredible. Trey Young, John Collins in in Alvin Gentry's system. Come on now. What are we doing? Let's do it. Book it. Make it happen. Let's call that trade in right now. Okay, and now it's the moment everybody's been waiting for. It is the Blake Murphy All-Star Trivia Hour. Only, you know, it's like 10 minutes. Uh <laughs> So over at the athletic, Blake, uh, tell me about this—the the birth of this idea for this trivia thing. You sent it to me, and I just felt dumb, uh, <laughs> or like someone who doesn't pay attention to All Star games. I was kind of like surprised by some of the stuff that I just didn't remember that I definitely saw happen. Yeah, that that was kind of the idea. So um, during the league's hiatus, I did a, a Raptors quiz. Basically, right before the relaunch, it was like, how much do you remember about the season before it hit pause? Um, and, you know, people seem to enjoy it. And then uh, the NHL team did a handful of quizzes as well that people seem to enjoy. So the idea was just, uh, yeah, I mean, run this out and, and see see if people have fun with it. Uh, yeah, the initial feedback has been that it's been too difficult. So the fact that I'm bringing you guys more difficult questions than uh, the actual trivia is uh, is tough. Unfortunately, given what our conversation just was, I should have asked uh, who was the last NBA All-Star coach to get fired. Uh, Dwayne Casey, of course, coaching right. the All-Star team and then being let go at the, uh, at the end of the season. Uh, but I got some good ones for you guys, I think. All right, let's go. Question one. All right, uh, question one. In 1958-1959, Bob Pettit won consecutive All-Star Game MVPs. Who is the only other player to go back-to-back with All-Star Game MVPs? 
Is it Russell Westbrook? It is Russell Westbrook. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. 2015 and 2016, including uh, the one here in Toronto on the uh, the coldest weekend in Toronto history, basically. See, now this feels like pandering to, to Schlecht. <laughs> oh. Cheating. Uh, come on. He produces my podcast, Raptors Reasonless, so I got mm-hmm. to feed him one here. That's right. Yeah, we're just getting started. It'll it'll yeah, get a yeah, little yeah. it'll get a little tougher here. Um, okay, so in 2017, Anthony Davis posted a monstrous 52 point game, including 20 in one quarter. The 52 points is a record. The 20 in one quarter only tied a record set in 1997. Who scored 20 points in a quarter in 1997? Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson. Nope. Uh, uh, 97, 97. I'm going to say either Grant Hill or Jordan. No, Grant Hill and Jordan both started that game, uh, but it was someone off the bench for the East who did it. Andrew, do you have a guess? Stephon Marbury? No, 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 no. He would have been. No, that's 97. That's 97. I'm bugging. Yeah, yeah. The the Iverson and Marbury years are, uh, those, those actually come up in the actual quiz, but those are a little later than this. Not Reggie Miller, is it? No, it is not. Um, so uh, who is it? That's my guess. It is Glenn Rice. Glenn <laughs> Rice. Oh, oh yeah. Charles Glenn Rice. Yeah, yeah. Charles Glenn Rice. Yeah, took, uh, took Three, the he, MVP home. Was he in the three-point contest that year? He was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did it all that weekend. Yeah. All right, this one, this one might be easy because it's just a straight winner, um, but it's one of the forgotten dunk contests. So uh, in 2000, obviously, Vince Carter's legendary dunk contest performance. Who won the slam dunk contest the year after that? The, the dishonor of following up Vince Carter's Was it dunk Desmond contest. Mason? It is Desmond Mason. D-Mace. Wow. Seattle Supersonics. You, the, you're uh, getting right into my blind spot of... Uh... 2000 to like 2007 where the NBA I was I was in the wilderness and the NBA wasn't a thing yeah it's fine like I, I certainly watched that dunk contest with my friends in high school but it's uh nope. it didn't when I was going back through it I, I thought I at the same time thought Desmond Mason was like way later and way earlier I could not place him historically at all uh, I definitely I thought you guys would go I thought someone would bite on the the Jay Rich I almost there did. just because it, it was the the two years after, and he beat Desmond Mason, and uh, mm-hmm. not as tough as I thought. Then the next one's really tough. All right, uh, the Miami Heat and Chicago Bulls have each had four three point contest wins. The Bulls got three from Craig Hodges and one from Steve Kerr. The Heat, though, have had four different winners. Let's see if you guys can name the four uh, across <laughs> across the history of the Heat. Duncan Robinson, Dan nope. Marley. No. <laughs> no. Was Jason Capono one of them? One of Jason Capono's Capone. wins oh, came with the Heat. Yeah. Shout out to Capono. His others, his other win came with the Raptors, of course. Yep. I'll give you a big hint. Uh, one of them came up on on in this quiz already today. <laughs> Glenn Rice. Yeah. Glenn Rice. Yeah, yeah. Because he won it. Um, Did he win it the weekend he scored twenty? In a quarter? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he didn't. He, I thought he was, oh, thought okay. he was with Charlotte during that yeah. time. No, no, he was. Uh, he won it two years prior to that. Okay. With also, yeah, he have, only got seventeen no points. He won it with seventeen points, which is just that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dwayne Cook. I mean, uh, Dwayne Cook. 
Daquan Cook. Daquan Cook, yeah. Daquan Cook, okay. that's yeah. right. Jeez. That's a real uh, wild <laughs> Yeah, and then the last one. I mean, one, cause I only remember, go ahead. The last one, uh, you may remember him winning as a member of the Cavs or as of the Heat. Uh, placing this guy is uh, you know, just wherever LeBron was playing is where yeah, he was James playing. Jones. James Jones, yeah. James Jones. That's, yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 All right, last one. Uh, this one is just a, a question out of frustration. Um, so the NBA brought the horse competition in for 2009-2010. KD won them both. In 2009, he's down to his final letter and he beats OJ Mayo with what trick shot? I think it was either a bounce or over the basket. Or what, I, sorry? Oh, it was over the basket? Nope. It's really was frustrating. It the answer is really annoying. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't Please know. tell me it was a lefty layup. Anything, Andrew? <laughs> a free throw? I don't know. It was a corner three. Oh, oh no! Boy. Yeah, oh, wow. that's, yeah, that's this annoying. is why the horse competition died. Is yeah. and, and the next year he was against Rondo in the finals, and he was just shooting threes until yeah. Rondo missed because he knew yeah. he was a better three point. Great so strategy, lame. terrible entertainment. Well, you know, right. I, I got to tell you, the old school horse that that I've watched, you know, in grainy video that clearly was ripped from VHS. Those games were so much more fun. And when people talk about bringing it back to All-Star, that's the thing that they were talking about, where those guys didn't really care so much about winning. It was, you know, let's try some crazy stuff. Would you bring horse back to All-Star Weekend, Blake? I would bring horse back if you were, like, much more selective about who's being in it. Um, You know, I think just having, like... Obviously, KD should play to his strengths in that, but I think you want just like the guys who are really going to play it up and try to do wild stuff. Like get get the guys who post the most of their own highlights, the Instagram story and stuff like that. Um, you know, get just just try to do some get the guys who will be more creative with it, whether it's young guys or just you know role players trying to make a name or whatever. I think having stars in it was the the misstep. Yeah, you got to It needs to look like the Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, McDonald's commercial. That's what I want. Just give me that. For horse and I, and it would be fun. Compelling television, select. That's right. Are you asking that uh, Alexei Pokashevsky be in the horse competition? <laughs> Who yes. could beat him? Who yeah. could beat him? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's gonna be sad. I'm very sad that the G League season's ending. Uh, oh, Poku, the Poku yeah. highlights down there have been amazing. Yep. Well, they're gonna. They got to He's gonna get some run. I think. Oh, he's got to. All right. He's, he's going to qualify minutes-wise for the, the worst statistical season of all time. <laughs> it's be amazing. The, the best worst. Let, let's, yes. let's give this man some credit. Okay, now let's run down some of the big games from uh, last night, guys. Um, I mean, every single night it feels like we get a, a couple of big games at this point. The Pelicans actually beat the Jazz, the best team in basketball to my eyes. Zion is just a grown man on the court at all times. And he makes guys like Rudy Gobert, who's the defensive player of the year at this point and probably running away with that, just made him look small in the paint. And, and, you know, this was an issue to me. I thought that the Pelicans were able to dominate the Jazz in the paint to the degree that they were. And and Trey, did we just get a sneak peek at what it's going to look like for the Pelicans in the playoffs? Uh, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, they're, they're you don't worry well. that, that teams can scheme and 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 take advantage of, you know, I, I guess they're they're big, but they don't have the mobility 
that that the Lakers have, obviously the Pelicans have, not that they're a concern in the playoffs, but the Lakers and I think the Clippers just have so much more mobility with their bigs, and I wonder if that's going to be a concern for them, Trey. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a toss-up. I mean, when you look at it, teams get up for the Jazz also. It's a playoff night. Like, it's a playoff game every night because that's they have the attention right now. Any team that gets the focal point, everybody's going to be like, especially if you went on a crazy winning streak or, you know, you're doing you're overdoing it this year, you're going to have all the attention and teams want to beat you. And success equals, you know, everyone's best shot and consider it a privilege. You know, right now Zion's efficiency is crazy. He was just doing whatever he wanted. The Jazz could not protect the paint uh, most of the game. And, you know, obviously in that in that fashion, had everybody's eyes glued to him, you know, for that game. But I wouldn't get too crazy about it as far as, you know, uh, New Orleans situation. You want to be smiling. You want to be supportive in it and, and, and look like they're moving in the right direction. I think after the, the deadline, if they're able to move uh, Reddick and get something back and, you know, Lonzo's shooting the ball well, and if they hold on to him or they can let him go as well and get something back. But um, the future's bright for them. And what Zion's doing, you look at that shot chart, I laughed. It looked almost like <laughs> a, um, a like one of the the – the planets lined up. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it just, the, it looks like look someone the, spilled, it looks like someone spilled paint right next to the basket in on, on the page. And it is absolutely, absolutely insane. He's going to average 30 a game on 70% true shooting at some point in his career. Uh, the Spurs came back on the nets and forced overtime. Not sure if you guys caught it, but DeJounte Murray was just nuts down the stretch um, and has been looking amazing. He hit what I think is one of the best like buzzer beater shots of the season so far select. I don't know how he even got the ball off the ground in time, much less made that jumper. It didn't matter because the Nets were able to turn it on in overtime. James Harden had an absolutely insane line, 30 points, 14 rebounds, 15 assists, and he was just killing them in the way he does. He's coming full head of steam off these DHOs from, from DeAndre Jordan, who, you know, he knows how to roll, right? And, and Harden, he does that floater, and you don't know if it's a lob or a shot, and nobody can guard it. The Nets, I think, they look like they probably are going to the finals. Like, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, I don't think you're wrong. I think, I mean, talent always wins the day, right? I mean, you bring together these guys, all top 10 talents in the NBA. Uh, they're going to win lots of games. And they're going to have to show that they can prove it in the playoffs. But these guys have done it for the most part. I mean, now, like, everybody's like, oh, the pressure's on James Harden all the time in Houston. You can't get over the hump. Well, now he's got Kevin Durant. Now he's got Kyrie Irving, guys that have performed at the highest level over the course of the last decade. So he doesn't even have to worry about that. The pressure won't even be on him. Uh, he just has to be himself. Uh, that DeJounte Murray shot, I just can't get over it. I watched it last night, and I just – it was it was just – so strange looking. He just kind of picks the ball up just casually, just shoots his mid-range jumper. We're going into overtime. It just, it didn't feel like, like it had the pressure of you need to make the shot to go into overtime. It was just kind of a, a casual, oh, there's the ball. Uh, it was just <laughs> odd. I just loved it. You want to he talk shot about it. bringing the horse competition back? Yeah, that's <laughs> the one. There you go. You, you, didn't, bug off, Murray. you, you didn't bug out hey. off the Kyrie miss layup though? So wild. Oh, Oh, well, you know, if you when you go back and look at that replay, it might have been goaltending. 
Demar, Tough what to are you tell. doing? The, the one time you lock in on defense. Come on, man. <laughs> the one time. <laughs> also, you look at this situation, too, where you're talking about, um, you know, uh, Harden getting ready, to get, getting able, being able to chill. You look at it in a situation, you go like Nick Claxton and Bruce Brown's growth. Like, yep. you know, that the, has to be. The Nets are good. That the Nets has are to good. Be a good feeling going into it. Like yeah, that. they're and they're better than any of us thought they were going to be, which is always fun. Uh, the Nuggets beat the Bulls, and this was a fun game because the the Bulls are good. Like I'm, I'm no more of this respect the Bulls stuff. The Bulls are just a, a a good basketball team. Like they should have expectations of making playoffs, and they can play with anybody. They played with the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic turns it on in the fourth quarter. Had 17 points in the fourth quarter. To me, he is the most clutch player in the league. And not because he hits a lot of game winners, which he does, but when they need buckets, he gets buckets. And you can see him. He takes the ball, and he's going to put somebody in the post. And, and it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, there's maybe two guys that can guard him in the league in the post. And it after the game, after this performance, it drew this response from Michael Malone. I see all these conversations about who, who would you – want to start a franchise with. And I've never seen Nicola's name mentioned. And I'm dumbfounded by that. My my nominee, I'm going to write in a nominee, Nicole Jokic is a guy that I like to build a franchise with, like we've done here in Denver and had great success with. So, Blake, um, does he have a point here? I mean, is, is Jokic uh, maybe underrated amongst guys in his sort of age group? I think maybe at least a little bit. You know, I think – the Nuggets not being as high in the standings as consistently maybe maybe hurts a little bit. And I think, you know, if we're being completely honest, there are probably some preconceptions just on the way that he, he looks out there sometimes and, and the way people assume uh, a player can or can't defend based on, um, you know, their offensive style and their body type and things like that. But this is a guy who the Nuggets are 12.6 points per 100 possessions worse when he sits. Um, that's a huge split. It's basically there the whole time. Um, if you look at some of the advanced metrics, and I know we can't live by that, but, you know, by estimated plus minus, for example, he is lapping the field. He has, like, has been worth three more wins than LeBron James or Steph Curry or Giannis. Um, you know, I don't know about the the pick him first to build your, your franchise around, but I think, you know, he's an offensive ecosystem unto himself. Um, he, he's shown now that his style of play is not – you know, it's kind of clutch proof. He can get that done in the biggest situations. And I think, you know, any of Denver's issues here through 34, 35 games have very little to do with, with Nikola Jokic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Trey, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. You know, I wonder if Jokic is judged a little bit unfairly. I mean, we should probably be talking about him as a top three MVP candidate at this point, right? Like, cause I, I think the nuggets are going to have a better record when it's all said and done. They clearly have had some injury issues this season, but are we being a little unfair to Jokic for this team struggled because they aren't struggling when he's on the court. It's only when he sits. No, it's not being unfair. It's basketball. I mean, at the end of the day, like, win games bro I don't care what you do individually create that cushion you know what I mean it's some players that's just out of this world and that damn good and can just create that breathing room where there's allowed to have hiccups and you say oh well such and such is you know going to come on the floor for me and you know he might be a negative as soon as he hits the floor and the team's going to run well you know 
from that situation, you gotta look at it like that. Like, no, yeah, I, I don't feel bad. He's he's top three. He's, he's in the conversation. It's not like we're being disrespectful, you know. But they gotta do they gotta do a little bit more, especially if they want to win ball games. Speaking of MVP, Joel Embiid looked awesome against Indy. I mean, the Sixers defense is just on another planet when him and Ben Simmons are locked in. They had some possessions guarding on the perimeter where they were switching back and forth. I just don't know how anybody aside from Brooklyn, is going to score on them in the playoffs. But, Schlecht, it is the 59th anniversary of Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game. My question for you, do you think Joel Embiid could score, could score 100 points in an NBA game right now? Right now? No. No, not now. But maybe, maybe did, if you did Will, put, him in a, put him in a time machine, he could. But did not Will now. actually score 100 points? Do we believe this? Dave, you have wild yes. takes every every single yes. week, and this is just a wild one. Yeah, let's just listen. Let's just I take would history and say, so you know Dave, what? I woke up, Don't I woke up happened. and chose violence this morning, and I said that it didn't happen. Where was the footage? But I was reminded that's very anti-black. We're not going to uh, do that. Well, that's so. fair. That's fair. That's fair. So. I do love Will. Big fan of Conan the Barbarian. That's going to do it for today's show, folks. Check out all the other pods like Raptors Reasonableness on the Athletic Podcast Network. Go and subscribe and check it out. Blake does a great job over there, and Andrew does a good job producing it. Uh, for Trey, for Andrew, for Blake, I'm Dave, and we will catch you tomorrow on the NBA Daily Ding. <laughs>